So, people may have noticed that the podcast went up a little jank last week and I had to fix it sometime on Monday. Well, that was because uh, the uh, the Sunday night where I kind of edit the podcast, um, some things happened that got in the way of me spending all the time I normally spend prepping the podcast for distribution and stuff. That's why there was no thumbnail last week. We used our generic kind of logo thing. Um, yeah, so I, I think we covered on the podcast, but I don't know if we did, but the my fridge died about... As of recording this about two weeks ago, we were without a fridge for a little over a week kind of thing, and I, being an adult person that knows this, completely forgot that if you don't dry out the interior of your fridge, it grows into a mold hellscape. So from about 10pm to 1am Sunday night, I was wearing a mask and just Lysol murdering the inside of my fridge. Like, literally, the thing was a fucking shag carpet <laughs> oh, on the God. inside. The fact the podcast went up at all is a, like, dark miracle. <laughs> wow. It was... It, it, many disgusting things have happened during this quarantine. This was the most, like, well, this is where the zombies come from bullshit in my life. So, so yes, if you found last week's podcast editing a little jank at first, it was because I opened up my fridge because the repairman was coming the day after the podcast got recorded and edited and went, oh, God, he can't show up like this. This might kill him. Time to murder everything with Lysol. Uh, or you could have just skipped it as is, you know, and had a nice uh, uh, factory or, you know. You yeah, know, planted planted a few extra things in it. You know, take I, advantage. I I like having a functioning fridge, but yes, but like now I'm like not trusting of my fridge. Like I'm just like side eyeing it, being like, I know you tried to kill me, motherfucker, and I'm not forgetting this fact. And it it might still be Leo hiding a bit of mold somewhere. I did everything somewhere. short of like dipping that thing into a vat of bleach, so I'm pretty sure we got it all. But yes, <laughs> that is my thought. Like, if I had access to a crane and like an 100 gallon container with which to drop this fridge into, it would have been in that bleach. <laughs> <laughs> like, there was so much Lysol spray in this thing at one point that when I opened it up, like, it ran out of it. <laughs> Like, just a thick smearing of Lysol across the inside of this thing. Like, I think at one point there was technically chlorine gas inside of it because I mixed up my cleaners. Like, it was a hellscape. (laughs) Oh my god, ew. So you committed a war crime to clean up your fridge. Sacrifices must be made in in in, in the, uh, the quest of cleanliness of one's fridge. I don't know. You did a war crime on yourself. If if the Hague wants to contact me, they can contact me at wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. <laughs> so yeah, podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Wicked Awesome Cast, episode 221. I am Kraken Zero, aka Nomad Heart, aka just Henry. With me, as always, is Charlie, aka Wardak. And also Alex, aka Mave Online. Woody Woo! Gang's all here. 
we're ready to talk about things that are games and also things that are not games. So I, I think it's important to, before we get to this podcast, bring up the fact that like I am currently fucked up on like a strong forty-eight hour regiment of anti-allergy medication. Alex is fucked up on what are you on right now, Alex? Because of your teeth. <laughs> Um, just, uh, ibuprofen and acetaminophen or whatever, however you pronounce it. I yeah. do have Norco that they prescribed me, but it doesn't really do much for me, so. So, so Alex is fucked up on the painkillers, I'm fucked up on the allergy meds, meaning, for the first time in podcast history, Henry is the only one in his right mind on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I just have some tea. I have some green tea, and that's... That's pretty much it. That's all I have. I legit it, can't feel my skin right now. Is it painkiller tea? <laughs> no. Okay, so yeah, no, he's good. <laughs> but yeah, so I I think already people are wondering, why is Alex on multiple types of pain medication? Why don't you fill us in on that? So, um, my week pretty much went, I had two wisdom teeth extracted on Wednesday. Um, so when I was a kid, I had the top two removed and I, that was so long ago. And so I, the bottom tooth never, the bottom two never got removed. So I finally was like, eh, they're pretty bad impacting on there. So I'm gonna get them removed. So I did. And man. So the left one came out real easy. You know, they just kind of worked, you know, their tool, my jaw a little bit, and then they got it out. The right one, on the other hand, they had to break in order to get all the way out, I think, because they had to use some drill stuff. And yeah, there was a lot of work done on my right jaw, on the right side of my jaw for it. But they got it all out. But yeah. Um. I got to do laughing gas for the first time, which was interesting. <laughs> I'd never done that before. Really? Because, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd never done uh, laughing gas as a treatment for any dental work. So, But, yeah, the, uh, what do you call it? That was pretty much it, which was like, eh. So, not much else. Oh, I did play Among Us, which is a lot of fun. On which Holy platform? Shit. Uh, on PC. Ah, the wrong version. Got it. What, the wrong version? There's a right version? The phone version. Oh, I know there's a phone version, yeah. Isn't it cross-platform? I don't know. All I know is there's no voice chat on the phone version, so people cheat less. Oh, yeah. No, we had a rule about muting our mics and all that stuff. So, it actually went really well. I had a lot of fun. Oh, it's I have to game. say, Among Us, for it being simple, is a lot of fun. And it's one of those things that proves, like, graphics aren't everything. If you make a good gameplay-esque game, it doesn't matter if the, you know, graphics are what they are. And that's not a knock on the graphics, because they have a very distinct art style, which works for them. Kind of like how Fall Guys has their art style, so, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's, I mean, we kind of talked about it last week, too, but I mean... I think it's really interesting because it's basically a social game. And the thing is, I like the voice chatting. I would prefer the voice chatting because I think it's fun to try to pick out if somebody, like, if somebody's lying by their what they say. Or I think 
you know, maybe that makes it almost too easy in some cases, where you can kind of tell somebody's lying sometimes just by the tone of their voice, or, but, I don't know. I, I've I've watched a few streams. I, I, I don't have the game yet. I, I haven't played it, so. It's free on but, phones. But, yeah, I've, yeah, I'd, I'd consider getting it, but yeah, I think, I think it's interesting. I, it's a social game. I like, I like the idea of social games. I, I mean, yeah, last week I compared it to Werewolf, essentially, which is very similar to, actually, very, very similar to Werewolf. But in any case, yeah, I've watched a few streams of it now, and yeah, it seems like a lot of fun. I'd be interested in picking it up. But, Two-year-old game, it turns out. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. been out for a while. Yeah, that's why they're, you know, thinking about a sequel, but they're like, well, now that it's just exploded in popularity, we could just keep making money off of this one. <laughs> yeah. 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 You just send people the room code, and they can play on their mobile phone and PC. That's cool. Yeah. Or sus. I'm not sure which way that one falls. <laughs> yeah. Well, anything else or next person? No, that's it for me. I mean, like I said, those are the big highlights. So. Yeah. That game a lot. Um, doing some mining stuff, did some more streams of it. Uh, yeah, not much. I did check out the... Well, I don't think I'm ever going to play Bullets per minute. I did check out the soundtrack for that game. That sound, that game's soundtrack is a fucking killer. It's not of the style of metal I like, even I still enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a cool soundtrack. Yeah. And the way it works in-game is... Like, it will fade between sort of, like, less and more intense depending on what's going on. Yeah. No, and I, as someone who actively dislikes, like, the idea of listening to video game soundtracks because there's some cool music in there, but I think often the context for those songs is what makes them cool in some cases. I really enjoyed the Bullets Per Minute soundtrack still. I'm like, I have no context for this, and this is still some really good music. Yeah, I, yeah, I'll, I'll eventually, whenever I actually play the game, I'll to review it, but yeah, I still haven't played the game yet. I've only watched somebody yeah. play it, which is what made me want to buy it. Nah, I, I spent a significant chunk of my week staring at three new tabletop games that one of them I really want to play. I really want to play Delta Green. That game seems What's that really one cool. about? Uh, it's Men in Black Call of Cthulhu. Hmm. It's got a percentage-based dice system, too, which I've never actually played one of those before, but I kind of like the idea behind it. Hmm. Where it's not so much about getting, like, a confirm, essentially, manage to complete something, and then you're rolling against that percentage. You're trying to get, like, that percentage or lower. So, like, if you have a 70% chance to shoot something, the odds are kind of in your favor at that point, so you're rolling to get below a set. You're, you're rolling to get 70 or below at that point. Where it's like, yeah, you did it, kind of thing. It's... It's a fascinating idea for me, I guess, that makes it feel, that makes combat kind of feel like the, uh, that system from the most recent Fallout games, where it's like you, the idea of percentages, I guess, is kind of easier to explain in my mind to people when it comes to actions, as opposed to you have a one in six chance multiplied by the number of dice you're rolling kind of thing for a basic system, or the percentages that get into kind of the D20 roll. I don't know, I just think it's a cool idea for a game, the way it works, and it's fast. It's also got two of the most beautiful user manual things ever. Hmm. Yeah, it's 
it's also like one of the few like definitely PG thirteen to definitely maybe R rated tabletop games where just it's like by its very nature this one's not for kids like this is going to be a gross and unsettling game because it's explicitly about kind of investigating crime scenes of laugh of Lovecraftian horrors and like it's almost in response to yeah Call of Cthulhu's kind of moved into kind of a general horror standpoint this one is still very much grounded in the body horror Lovecraftian kind of existential horror stuff still which I, I like both but the idea of the game is very much aiming to still be that Lovecraftian horror I think is a good tone for that game like it definitely sets the idea of your player your, your player characters are going to die a lot why because this is unknowing the unknowable yeah I also look yeah at, I yeah. mean that's how Call of Cthulhu runs it's a very deadly game yeah and it's it's that, but like with a set of rules that are very much geared to being more CSI and kind of strike teamy, I guess. Like it's the, the mysticism is kind of reined back to a point where it's you versus the mysticism, not necessarily like the, the whole point of the game is you are kind of suppressing, uh, suppressing and destroying Lovecraftian bullshit kind of thing. Like it's not like oh, misunderstood. It's like no, this needs to be destroyed because. It is too dangerous to have this stuff around. Like the the game's lore flat out says, Yeah, we used to be a recognized organization and we used to collect this stuff, and that ended terribly. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of like control. Yeah. Or the video game control. <laughs> no, it is. And, and, and that's why I kind of where, dug that game too. Where their building is now a. Uh, you know, Euclidean, non-Euclidean night. I, I've been very impressed with just kind of how easy this thing is to learn. Like, it's very new player friendly. It's very drop-in, drop-out friendly, too. And it's a setting and game mechanics I find interesting. I looked at that and Shadowrun Anarchy, even though I kind of have beef with Shadowrun Anarchy. I'm coming around on Shadowrun Anarchy a little bit, and I don't like that I'm coming around on Shadowrun Anarchy because Shadowrun 3rd Edition is still the pure Shadowrun, but I get it. Third edition is also a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the final one was I picked up CD Pro, uh, not CD Project. Um, what's it called? Cyberpunk Red, which is just the better version of that game. And yeah, that's a better version of that game. Hmm. It's still nightmarishly hard, but from a GM standpoint, but better. But that's been mostly it. It's been a pretty down week on my end, nothing super big to report. I, I, I'm very much kind of in holding for De- Destiny. I haven't even played in a couple weeks at this point because there's nothing to do. Festival of the Lost happens this upcoming week, so I'll be playing that until it's over, and then it's waiting for the expansion to drop and really Cyberpunk to drop at this point. Those are my two games for the rest of the year, I think, really. Because if, if yeah. Yeah, Destiny will always be a giant time sink, but I think Cyberpunk, if it's good, will be an equally huge time sink on my part. Yeah, I haven't played Destiny either, so I mean, I similar reasons. Not a lot of reason to right now. I, yeah. I, I, one of the podcasts I was on, we were talking about Destiny and how I was, and I, like, as much as I think Season of the Rivals is one of the best points of Destiny history, this extended Season of Arrivals has been. Shitty, and not in like a way that was avoidable. Just a yeah, we ran out of content about a month ago, and unless you're like in a hardcore raiding clan like I am, even we're not doing much. Like mostly our Discord's just us making fun of each other and going like, "Yup, would be real cool to want to play some Destiny right now," but we're not. Mm. 
Yeah. Yeah, that pre-expansion uh, release time period is very slow. Well, and, My guilds go to the same thing right now. Well, and, and the tragedy of this one is Season of the Rivals was scheduled so that like it was going to end right with the new content dropping, which would have been a fucking cool thing to do finally in Destiny, because the end of the season's always kind of trickle out a little bit, but because of the release date getting pushed back, literally September and October were supposed to be the expansion by now, and they're not. And they're kind of this unfortunate dead zone of us going, yeah, it's not worth grinding gear because a bunch is getting sunset, and yeah. Like, I'm actively pursuing one thing at this point. It's getting uh, the completions done so I can get Outbreak Perfected's Catalyst done, and I can only do that once a week, and I have a lot of weeks between now and when the expansion comes out to do that in still, so mm. I haven't exactly been chomping at the bit to get the last two ru- excuse me, runs I need to do done. Yeah, I, I still haven't picked up Outbreak Perfected. Is it really worth getting? It's a hell of a pulse rifle. I... <sighs> I don't have a good answer on this one. Like, I am only getting it because I'm, I I had it, I had the Catalyst two-thirds of the way done, so why not get it done at this point? Like, it's, yeah. it's going away, and of the things going away, it's probably, like, if you put It, Whisper, uh, and Sleeper Simulant all in kind of the category of what should you absolutely get before they get Suns, I guess, um, what's it, uh, Acreus is in there, too. There's an argument to be made that Outbreak is probably the best. It's Outbreak or Whisper, and the difference being you can solo the Whisper one. The Outbreak one is hard, even yeah. like on the lower difficulty level. The higher difficulty, it's significantly harder kind of thing. Yeah, it's if you're only going to really like try and get two things that are going away as part of the expansion, it's Outbreak and Whisper. Maybe Outbreak takes it out a little bit because it's, at its base form, it's kind of whatever. At its catalyst form, it's pretty murderous because of how the SIVA particles work with it. But that's more in the weeds than I wanted to get on this one. Yeah, it's it's chill on my end right now. It's been, oh, I transferred all my mead from the plastic jugs into glass jugs in my garage. So that's a nice. thing that happened. Nice. We, we, we resume the waiting game. And praying out doesn't go vinegar on me because it's been out in the heat. And we mm. all know heat makes the best wine. Yeah. It does not. <laughs> what have you been up to, Henry? Well, I mean, it's not really new. It's an old game, but I hadn't played it before. Uh, new to called... you. Yeah, new to me. Fistful of Frags. It is a source engine, and it's Alright, so there's a lot of things about it that are just, like, it's going to be similar to most sort of versus-style, you know, you know, arena combat type of games, but it's the mechanics of how the guns work that's kind of interesting. So, for one thing, they're all, you know, shitty, like, Wild West revolvers, like, and, like, other guns, like, you know, like a, a single-action, double-action, you know, this, it's you don't have the fancy weapons. They don't fire fast. 
they load really slowly. Some of them take like so like a full couple of minutes to reload. So you kind of have to be more, way more careful with your shooting. You what's nice is on your reticle though it gives you a percent kind of a percent chance to sort of hit right you know in the center of the reticle that is oh so it's know, even like, got the fact that bullets fucking suck during this time period in there yeah that's cool so and it only goes up to about 70% i've only seen it at like 72% or so and that's if you duck or if you aim and you can get a higher percentage you can it also has a cool thing where there's like perks you can pick perks so you can pick your starting weapon which you can pretty much pick out of a lot of the weapons that are available in the game and you can and then you can pick sort of there's another two columns that are perks abilities that you have like uh, you can pick between like being left-handed or right-handed which that change you can switch hands with any gun so uh or you can pick ambidextrous. So you can use two guns with less of a penalty if you while using them together. So So why not just always pick ambidextrous? Like that seems like an obvious advantage at that point. Um there's also fanning where you can oh, fan it and fire yeah. away faster. And I, I that actually worked out better for me. Um on the other one, uh the other column kind of is more it's more the one column is mainly just like your guns like how do you hold your guns left-handed right-handed ambidextrous or fan uh the middle column is about is like some other types of abilities like one of them which makes your kick a bit stronger you push people further back and kind of mess up their aim for a little bit longer and uh which is yeah, and there's yeah, there's just a couple of abilities kind of yeah, not directly related to your gun. Like I think one of them oh, one of them is just you have a derringer as a backup. Hmm. Little little two shot derringer. And well, it seems yeah, like just, I'm looking at some pictures now. A lot of this combat either happens at extreme range or point blank, it seems. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. There's a, quite a lot of mid-range stuff. I mean, I'd say uh, because yeah, I it depends on the map too. There, the maps are pretty varied. There's they're pretty complex maps. Like there's a lot to them, and like multi-tiered, multi-level, a lot of things going on. Some of them have trains going on. Yep. The other mechanic has to do with the treasure boxes, or treasure chests that appear throughout the level. There's three kind of tiers of them. Uh, there's, like, kind of common, which is, has extra common weapons, uh, kind of mid-range, and then rare weapons. Mm. And, yeah, there's just, you know, some different types of weapons. There's, essentially, you, there's rifles, and there's revolvers, mainly. Oh yeah, you can also get a bow and arrow, which, but I think it kind of sucks. Bow and arrow is not that great. I think there was a shotgun in that game that I used to run around with to use. Yeah, there's a shotgun. Yeah, I yeah I use a revolver with padding, which I find pretty good because uh yeah, just gotta unload right into somebody. 
But also, if you carry a lot of weapons, it slows you down a bit too. So yep. we kind of you should you shouldn't necessarily just load up on weapons. But play play that. That was fun. I'm not that great at it. It it takes time to get used to the shooting style because it is definitely a bit different than any other FPS I've played. So and I kind of like that mood for firing, especially when you takes like a full couple of minutes to reload generally. But, yeah, that was pretty cool. This week, a weird drop. So, I play King of Fighters. I'm a, I've been a fan of King of Fighters for a long time. Now. Oh, we're aware. And <laughs> the 2002 Unlimited match got a new beta with updated netcode. And it's really good netcode. Holy crap. What does the that thing mean, is, I guess? Netcode is kind of how... When you're no, no, I, I mean, sorry, the, the, the first part. I know what netcode is. The unlimited match, you called it, or something? Oh, it's just one of the ver- oh, different gotcha. versions. So, there's a King of Fighters 2002, but every once in a while, King of Fighters on in the same year will put out another one that's sort of like with a huge roster of characters from all past games, or most past sure. games, anyway. And unlimited match is one of, the, one of those, which is, yeah, it has like 50 characters in it. So, with uh, so there's no storyline going on. Like most of the King of Fighters, there's a storyline. The kind of dream match things, like which there's been several of now, don't have a storyline. It's just like play any character you want. There's no real storyline here. But they got new netcode, and it's very good. And to that end, I actually picked up an arcade stick on Craigslist for those. That don't know what Craigslist is. It's a classified site where people sell stuff. Sell mostly a lot of used stuff. Sometimes they sell services. But yeah, I picked up a nice Hori arcade stick used. And I've been using that, kind of getting used to using an arcade stick again. Nice. Because that's really the thing I think is best for fighting games is an arcade stick. I kind of prefer it. 2D ones, definitely. The 3D ones, I find it kind of fucks with you some. Mm. But, yeah, I yeah, the stick is very nice. It works perfectly, so I was playing a bit of... I'll pra- I was mainly practicing uh, the King of Fighters 2002 because I just also hadn't played it in a while because I didn't have a whole lot of reason to, but now there's people playing it again because the netcode yeah, the updated netcode. And the reason they were able to do that is this is one of the games that the particular company that did it, I forget who made the port, but this was sort of, instead of just a straight port with an emulator sort of running, this is sort of new code. The, the port or the version of this game is like a new version of the game, practically programmed from the bottom up, as opposed to just porting the code and kind of making it work. So that's why this one has the... They were able to go back and say, well, you know, we'll retool the netcode and see what happens. But it is weird to have a 20-year-old, nearly 20-year-old game getting new, like a new... Essentially kind of like a new version, but... Yeah, I... I kind of hope it renews some interest in 
like the classic King of Fighters having some tournament for that, that'd be cool. Because I used to play a lot. I play a lot less now. But back in the day, back around 2000, 2002, I was playing pretty consistently. I was playing in tournaments and everything. So that's that was cool. I mean, honestly, like, it, but it was kind of out of nowhere. It's like, oh, well, that's, that's actually pretty neat. So, and I just, I own the game. I've owned the game for years now. I just don't play it that often. But yeah. But other than that, I didn't really get up to much. So, I mean, I played old games <laughs> all week. Didn't really play anything new. I picked up some games but I haven't uh, that were on sale, but I haven't had a chance to play them. So I'll talk about them when I actually play them. That's pretty much my week. So I look forward to seeing Henry at Evo 2021 for King of Fighters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I suppose that means it's time for news, doesn't it? Yes, it is. Should we just start with the biggest news for this podcast right off the bat? Sure. Hey, Alex, you want to talk about Shadowland? And dozens and thousands of nerds are very upset that their vacation days have to be rescheduled or canceled. It got be- so <laughs> not in, not indefinitely. They said it's still going to release later this year. Um, on the plus side, though, we did get a pre-patch uh, date, so fun stuff with the pre-patch. But is it yes. confirmed? Because at least the way I'm reading this is expected October 13th, but not necessarily no, confirmed. For it's October confirmed. 13th. The pre-patch is confirmed October 13th. So they have, um, the way they're breaking it down, it's actually the first time they've done this. They're doing a pre-patch, which has some invent stuff happening prior to the actual launch. And then there's going to be another 9.0.2 patch, which is going to introduce more stuff for Shadowlands and eventually kind of guide us into the release of the new expansion. But yes, um, that is... That is something that they've talked about for a while, but yeah, they said more than likely it's going to release um, later this year. My guess is probably going to be sometime in December. I heard somebody say they're pushing it back potentially right around the time that there's a new content patch for Final Fantasy fourteen to compete with that, which wouldn't surprise me because I believe... I believe there's actually a content patch October, was it? I think Final Fantasy XIV has a patch coming out sometime later this year. So It uh, wouldn't surprise me. It's weird to me seeing that game actually think it has to compete with another game finally. Like, I... <laughs> You'd be surprised. There's been quite a bit of an exodus from... No, no, I'm not saying it's not deserved exodus. I, I've heard nothing but good things about Final Fantasy. It's more that thing has been king for so long. The idea that it couldn't do whatever the fuck it wanted, people would take notice. Like that's a interesting twist, I guess, in my view. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, this is the first time they've actually pushed back a patch since Burning Crusade. Burning mm. Crusade was the first time they ever pushed back an expansion because they thought it wasn't ready. Um, and this will be the second time. Every and, other one has released on time. And you've been pretty vocal about not thinking the game is ready either, correct? <laughs> it's it's not, and this just sp- speaks to it. Like uh, the community as a whole, just felt like it's not ready. 
And I guess they finally agreed because they ended up pushing it back. Mm. And the fact that they pushed it back is is pretty up there, I have to say. Like, mm. so, but it's still final quarter, so who knows? But yeah, it's it, it's a big deal. The fact that they actually had to admit they had to push it back, so they kind of pride themselves on not doing that. But here we are. They used to pride themselves on a lot of things, and they kind of don't give a shit about it anymore, so. I feel like we're almost at the point where we can start making up lies about the uh, Blizzard, and like, kind of we can make up lies about the city of Philly, and they kind of retroactively become true. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. I remember back yeah. when the Cafeteria Blizzard didn't serve orphans. And I don't mean they didn't give yeah. orphans the food, I mean they weren't serving cooked orphans on the menu. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it was one of the perks of your honor points. Yeah, that's true. And see, the, the crazy thing is we can mix in stuff like real stuff, like the honor point stuff, in with the lies, and it blends in, and then you don't know what's what. Then it all sounds crazy. It's like, the idea of real-world real. honor points is its own bizarre nightmare. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, that's the most, like, company bucks thing ever. There's some popular money you can spend only inside the company. Which was that, a real thing. That we <laughs> award for very questionable reasons. Yeah. So, but yeah, uh, I have to readjust my event that I was going to do because I was planning on doing a week-long stream of Dude, Shadowlands if, and all that. I, so, if I was you, I would still do the exact thing, but to stream for 24 hours a day, just a blank screen being like, if Shadowlands was up, there'd be something to watch right now. I thought about doing that too. So like, <laughs> oh, that would be pretty good. But, I'd watch that. Hmm. Sorry, but yeah. Um, so that's where we are with um, with Shadowlands. So, which I'm glad. And I'll be all I'll, I'll jokes aside. I'm glad they did it yeah. because they recognize that there's a problem, and releasing the game half done or broken would have been. A way bigger problem. I think somebody up there finally realized or had the thought of, hey, uh, you know, was that same by Miyamoto, was it? I think we've said every single week for like the last month, so maybe we don't say it again this week. But yeah, the idea that a finished game, an unfinished game is always bad, a delayed game gets fixed eventually, hypothetically. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, I guess on the opposite end of that spectrum, let's talk about CD Projekt Red for a second, and how lied, exaggerated, uh, pick your correct kind of verb in this case, but they are now reporting there's going to be mandatory crunch for the, basically from now, when this podcast goes up, really all of October, to when the game officially releases. Six hours, uh, six weeks a day, kind of thing. Six days a week. Sorry, yes, not six hours a week. That'd be the best crunch ever. Six days a week, my bad. To avoid mandatory crunch, you know, it said it wouldn't force employees to work overtime. Which is, you know, which, you know, maybe if somebody chooses to, you know, that's you know, that's yeah. a thing that somebody could choose to do just because they need it. Nope, they're mandatory six-day work weeks, which, frankly, that should be illegal. Like, I, you know, not I don't want to go too long into it, but just the idea that salaried has just become unpaid overtime, that should be a crime. Yeah. And the, because 
the weird thing is, even when you're salaried at a lot, most of these places, they keep track of your hours, which is real weird. It's like, am I on salary or am I hourly? I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's dumb and stupid and shouldn't be a thing, and we need unions. Yeah. But that's that's all I have to say about that. God, I hope it's good when it comes out, because this would have all been real shitty if, if... It already is shitty, but it makes it even worse if it's not a good game at the end of all that. Ah, uh, where to go from here? Um, Let's talk about a game I don't think we'd ever have talked about if it not for this very bizarre news story. Uh, PGA Tour 2021, you know, the latest EA golf game. A game we would not talk about if not for a kind of bafflingly weird new feature they're patching into the game after launch. So they're adding, but you can basically wager in-game currency. Nothing bizarre there. Issue is you can buy that in-game currency with real-world money, which means there's now an established real-world gambling out a kind of path in this game, hypothetically. Which, that's gambling. Yeah. That's just gambling. And that should fall under, yeah, that should fall under, like, the purview of, like, you know, whatever, however many governments. I imagine this might get straight-up banned in Europe. Well, oh, and that, yeah. And that's the weird thing. So I kind of, I initially read this, I'm like, okay, cool, whatever, until I kind of happened upon the part about how you can buy, I think it's called VC bucks or something, it stands for virtual currency. You can buy that with real money, and then it's the, oh god, you've established a real-world value for digital currency, meaning you can now use that digital currency if you can find a way to cash out of that game, which admittedly, there's no way of doing that in that game yet, but someone's going to figure it out. Well, there's always the, you know, somebody will create a market. Yeah. You know, some, you know, some skeezy website where you, you know, I don't know. I, 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 it's, in any case, it's very, yeah, it's very, very not, yeah. It's not cool, and it's going to get super banned. I'm pretty sure. We will see what happens. Yeah, it, I was kind of surprised I didn't see more kind of taking the stance of, what, can you legally even do this, actually? Because <laughs> that seems like a weird one to pull. Well, probably more on this as it develops. Uh, where to go from here? Speaking of exploitative currencies, I suppose. I, I have to say, for a second, I thought this was EA, but then no, it's fucking 2K Studios. I'm like, oh, okay. I thought this it was, was a very EA. No, it's 2K. I misspoke then. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, because it doesn't sound like they're naming convention. But I'm like, is that EA? And no, it's. Um... I said it was EA. Even I assume they were the ones making all the golf games at this point too. No, it's one of the two comp- competing studios. Oh, yeah, you're right. Their... Yeah. My so, bad. EA Sports. I mean, granted, the behavior is very EA-like in nature. So it's increasingly more 2K, too. Like, that's... We don't well, spend I mean, a lot of time talking about be worse company standpoint. Yeah. Because 2K, like, actively does some shady shit. The difference being EA's just kind of more public about their shady shit by accident. And... They make Madden, which we spend all our time just dunking on. Because, why not? Well. Yeah. Yeah. Want to talk about Farmville? 
Uh, I would say let's talk about the other two. Oh, you're right. Yeah, we do have another 2K thing. All right. So, yeah. yeah, I'll go ahead and... Yeah. uh, This is Mm -hmm. sort of in my purview. All right. So, WWE 2K is sort of in trouble, it seems. They're going back to court. So, take two. 2K Maker Take Two, which is you know with subsidiary 2K games and 2K Sports, they're heading to trial because of Randy Orton's tattoos. Look, we've seen something like this before. We reported on it. It was with LeBron James hangover and stuff like that as well. Yeah, and so in that case, it was like a weird judgment because they're like, well. The tattoo's kind of indistinct. It's not a very good like likeness of the tattoo, so maybe it's not an infringement then. Because the <laughs> the textures weren't good enough. But in this case, the textures are much, much better. So the artwork is very clear. So and the and the interesting thing here is the judge has already handed a partial summary judgment in the tattoo artist's favor. So, the tattoo artist, Catherine Alexander, her, the case was that, that Take-Two had copied her work by recreating them on the representation of Randy Orton. And, yeah, uh, their Take-Two is claiming fair use doctrine, that there's an implied license. And this is where it gets really weird. So. You know, when you put a tattoo on somebody, it should kind of be theirs, but then, like, who gets to make money off of it if it gets... It's really weird here, because now, Take-Two is making money off of Randy Orton, but... And he's obviously going to get something out of it. I I don't think any of the wrestlers get a whole lot out of the video game profits. I don't think they get that big of a cut. But in any case, yeah, the yeah, they're, the argument that Take-Two is saying that it's trivial use, but yeah, because they decided to use the tattoos in very distinct, very you know, high definition and in their entirety, that's why the court kind of already found a partial summary judgment against Take-Two. So, from the, what the judge says, there's disputed evidence regarding the value of the tattoo, copyright tattoo works to the video games. But yeah. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, so, it's, it's weird territory here. I don't, I'm not sure what, it's, because on one hand, in general, if you just stole artwork and are selling it, which, you, know, you see a skeezy shirt, and it just reproduces somebody's artwork, and that's obviously not good. Yeah. And here we're in stranger territory. When and I, I think it'd be more cut and dry if, like, if, and I, I can't tell bases. I've not played the game, sadly, so I can't comment too much. If Randy Orton's tattoos was like a cosmetic thing you could slap on any character, which I don't think is the case in this instance, then I think it'd be more cut and dry. But because it's only on Randy Orton's character, who is for all purposes, supposed to be Randy Orton, depending on how you kind of think of these things. When you license Randy Orton, you license kind of 
physically all of him, hypothetically, in this instance, including the tattoos. Yeah, so the judge essentially said that because, you know, people weren't buying it for the tattoo. Yeah. Duh. That's that's obvious. But they are buying it for the authenticity of the wrestler's appearance. And part of that is the tattoo being very accurate. So we So I guess here the argument is because it's so authentic and the authenticity itself is driving sales and profits that like but I think the harder argument will be to see if if the artist actually suffered damages based on the infringing use. Like, you know, like lost, you know, a lost chance to have revenue or something. But I think that's almost impossible to prove because in theory at that point you're making the argument of, well, if they'd licensed these designs, then I'd have revenue. But it's like, yeah, but like if they hadn't licensed the design, then you haven't lost anything hypothetically. If this thing wasn't going to spill back and give you a higher clientele rate, I'm willing to bet, but also I don't know. In any case, this is going to be going for in front of a jury, so we'll hear more about it, yeah, I it, imagine. It feels very Fortnite dances, I guess, in my mind. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. It's a very, yeah, well, yeah, I think it's a very weird one here. There again, it's like, uh, and there's no talk of, you know, what kind of agreement that there is between the artist and Randy Orton, the actual person, Randy Orton. Like, you know, as far as, like, you know, the ownership or, like, but yeah. I don't know. It's it's weird one. It'd be like me wearing a shirt of somebody's artwork, and then I got digitally scanned in a game with the shirt. In a certain sense, it's like, I bought the shirt, but now the game is kind of using that, maybe. Well, it's, it's really that weird That one's more here. straightforward. I think it would be more like if you had some, like, a famous art tattooed on your body. I think, like... Tattooing is specifically where it goes from cut and dry because you can hypothetically take off the shirt for scanning. Like, you deliberately chose yeah. to wear that shirt. Like, could you have Randy Orton Sans tattoos? Absolutely. I, and admittedly, it's one of those questions where, like, I, I'm not one to judge this one, but, like, is Randy Orton's tattoos really that integral to who Randy Orton is as a playable character? I'm not one to judge. I would say yes because it's wrestling and any detail beyond men in speedos basically kind of boils down to, yeah, it's, it's a character detail at that point, hypothetically, but yeah. I'm also not one to gauge exactly how important Randy Orton is to the overall WWE 2K franchise at this point. He's pretty important. Yeah. I mean, Randy Orton is probably one of the more famous wrestlers around. Like, he's, as far as within wrestling, very popular. He's been around a while. Yeah. And he's and he's a phenom and like yeah I mean yeah so he's he's pretty important I mean to be a part of that package he's pretty darn important he's a, he's a top main eventer top listed yeah that level. and I I think so. it's even more complicated we live in a world where like you have I think it's more common in kind of Asian tattoo culture where if like someone has an especially cool tattoo job or especially like noteworthy art work by an artist. They sometimes get skinned afterwards because, hey, they want that tattoo to stay around kind of thing because it's a true work of art. 
I don't know a lot of Western tattoo artists out there doing that. I'm not saying they like track them down and skin them. I'm saying like a when they <laughs> die, they recover the tattoo kind of thing. That'd be way more metal if that's like I want my art back, son of a bitch. <laughs> that is pretty fucking metal if you think yeah. about it. Though. Holy yeah. shit! I, I've been to one of the galleries. They are both disturbing and also badass at the same time. Where it's like, yeah, it's like man, it, it, it looks like it's animal hide. Well, I guess it technically is. Yep. <laughs> animal known as man yeah it's we don't really have a culture of that in the in the u.s specifically but kind of the greater western world at that point not saying that they shouldn't be doing that just it's not a thing over here although maybe it should be that'd be kind of a whole other thing to get into potentially yes i collect famous wrestler tattoos oh on you no i wish from the die of heart feathers and i skin them and mount them on my walls I just picture what Vince McMahon's, like, rumpus room has on its wall, Seven Eye. That's what actually happened <laughs> to The Undertaker. <laughs> yeah. That's disturbing. Uh, yeah, it's... It's definitely a weird one. I think it's, like, if it was DLC or if it was, like, a famous shirt, then it'd be more straightforward. But, no, it's physically on one Randy Orton and, like... like I, Henry, you're the wrestling expert on this podcast. If you covered up the tattoos, would the Randy Orton-ness be diminished in some way? The dude doesn't wear a shirt. Yeah. And that's kind of, there's there's a reason why. Because he's, like, genetically built like a Greek god. Like, he's, like, six foot five and ripped. Like, large and ripped. So, I mean, if you put his shirt on that, it's kind of not Randy Orton. It'd be weird. On oh, now that I'm I mean, actually googling part, the part phrase, Randy Orton's arm tat- tattoos, just like his sleeve ones, right? Those skull things. No, I don't think he has skull tattoos. I think it's like sleeves, aren't they? Yeah, it's just sleeves. They say just sleeves and sleeves. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, he, he, him wearing a shirt would be weird. Uh, I wonder if they be they'll end up with a compromise like. We'll just kind of scramble the tattoo a bit so it's no longer your work. Sure, and I, I, in part of this, I learned that you can buy Randy Orton like licensed tattoo sleeves. It's a whole other topic, which yeah, that's actually yeah, that's actually a weirder, even weirder thing. Like I think that one's actually more clear cut, a little bit more clear cut. But in any case, they're both weird cases. We have talked way too much about Randy Orton. <laughs> As you got a wrestler, wrestle boy on here. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Yes. Uh, what? What's not Randy Orton on our list? Nope, not that. That's also Randy Orton. Um, <laughs> fuck, there's a lot of Randy Orton on this list for no apparent reason. Uh, let's talk about Counter-Strike <laughs> for a real second. In, at least in my mind when I read this was kind of a, okay, so it's still Counter-Strike. 37 Counter-Strike coaches, as in coaches for professional teams, have been banned for cheating, and it's not even a cool cheat. It's kind of just a little exploit they found that you could use spectator mode to essentially make yourself a ghost and go wherever the fuck you want so you could, you know, coach your team more effectively by telling people exactly where people were. Uh, On one hand, it's just shocking and outrageous, and esports are sacred. On the other hand, Counter-Strike gone a Counter-Strike? Yeah, I mean... The shocking part wasn't 
cheating and Counter-Strike. Yeah. That was not shocking at all. That's just an idea just, that ends in Y. I assume everyone in Counter-Strike is cheating in some way. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was more the coaches. actually banning a bunch of coaches, yeah. which is kind of wild, to be honest. Yeah, not something you hear yeah. about a lot. Yeah. yeah. We're on from there. You guys want to talk about Minecraft? Sure. Yeah. Uh, What's so going on with Minecraft? Steve like and Minecraft. Alex. Yes, those Steve and Alexes of Minecraft fame are coming to the Switch as the latest fighters for Smash Ultimate. Not just Steve and Alex, but they're also including uh, Enderman and someone else. Who was it? Zombie. Zombie, yeah. Zombie, yeah. It's not clear if those are just reskins of these characters or if the other three are spirit fighters of Steve. I, It's kind of vague, but they are blocky and Minecrafty in Smash. I, are people happy yeah. about this? I don't know. It's a lot of mixed reviews, actually. I've I've heard like people are like not happy about it. I've heard people were excited about. It. It's not like when Terry got released and everybody lost their fucking mind. I've, I've it's kind of a mixed bag. I gotta say, uh, but at the same time, I'm kind of I'm kind of for it just because again, it proves that they literally will pull from any fucking franchise. You're kind of much in it for the memes, hypothetically. This is very meme worthy. Yep. You know me. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I hope you're happy, Smash community. The Kirby fighting game's more of a fighting game than you are still. There, I said it again. Yep. <laughs> ah, yeah. Some wrestling is more of a fighting game. As someone who watched someone punch someone in the throat over a, uh, during a thumb wrestling match, yes. <laughs> need to stop coming to this bar, but also this is why I come to this bar. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that was a time. Well, we're talking about Nintendo. Uh, we've talked about kind of Switch hacking and Switch modding kind of in broad strokes in the past, but it appears that Nintendo is kind of putting the heel down on that one a little bit more. They are starting off with... Which of the companies is this one? You were looking at this more than I was, Henry, earlier. Uh, basically, they, they have settled yeah. on $2 million payout from... Oh, that's the uh, Uber chips. Uber chips, kind of in the legal case of these modding chips. Uh, Uber chips did not make the modding chips in the first place. They came from a kind of hacking collective that figured out you could do this. And as with all hacking collectives, it's kind of hard to sue a enigmous entity because there's no defined membership or collective or location or address with some frequency. So. As often happens in these types of situations, they go after the distributor. Uh, even we on the podcast aren't totally sure we feel about this. Like I can play devil's advocate where it's like, yes, it's technically breaking user agreements, but also I say, fuck it, make the switch more functionality or more functional. I'm all for that. Uh, Henry has a much stronger feeling on kind of the end user point of sale topic, which I think is actually significantly more valid than my I don't fucking care on this topic stance. Because like... yeah. The argument Nintendo makes in this case is that you're getting pirated games, and that is a problem, but the Switch also, yeah. the chip opens it up to kind of just putting other functionality on there and allowing you to overclock, which doesn't necessarily cost Nintendo anything. 
Yeah, and that's where it gets really strange. All right, so I, I've i talked about this many times. I am a big advocate for point-of-sale doctrine, which means when you buy a thing, it's yours, which is, yeah, it's, you know, if it, especially if it's not, you're not buying a service. Like, if you're buying an actual object or a thing that you buy, which it gets more amorphous when you're talking about video games where there's a lot of downloads. You know, but there again, like, that's why I like to buy off of good old games when I, you know, whenever yeah. possible. Like, when when they started really starting getting big, I started buying more and more games off of there rather than Steam. There are games that are on Steam that aren't on there, though. But with good old games, you get a download. You can just install it. it it's yours. You've bought the product. Whereas with Steam, it's like you're kind of bought a service. As with almost any digital purpose, you kind of bought a license more than an actual game. Which, a license that you can lose if the service ever stops running. Which has happened multiple times now, with Nintendo, actually. Which, that's a whole other topic, but... Yeah, in this case, they can't go over Team Executor. I think it's also because just researching a hack if you allow that, it's already been defeated in court for, like, researchers for, like, exploits for multiple things, like, that do it for security purposes. So, yeah, we research an exploit, but it's not to break something, it's to actually make it more safe. But it's like, you know, all sorts of security researchers would be all up in arms. And I think this is speculate, pure speculation that if they would have gone after Team Executor, Multiple universities and law schools would have written uh, affidavit, affidavits in support of Team Executor. Because, yeah, it, it, it puts a lot of research into jeopardy if you start doing that. But, in this case, yeah, uh, Nintendo is going after Uber chips for selling, actually selling the like actual chips that do the hacks, that, that do the different types of hacks. They're, basically, it's two chips in particular, SX4 and SX, SX Lite, which work on all Switch consoles. But yeah, I'm like, I think you should be able to buy a thing and mod it to, whatever, to do whatever you want. Now, if it, that mod is used to do an illegal thing, then you can kind of crack down on the illegal thing. But I don't know. It's I think it's weird. I mean, it's one of the reasons why... BitTorrent is still like still exists because I have several pieces of software where the option is to download it via BitTorrent. For instance, I use LibreOffice, which is a free office suite. And one of the ways I download it is is that they offer to download it is through BitTorrent because it's just faster and it's easier on them because they don't have to keep a server for it. But in any case, yeah, it's but yeah, the proposed judgment, which is probably going to go through, it's a joint. They've kind of jointly agreed to it, is to pay two million, and then they're kind of they're prohibited from selling the chips or similar devices going forward. But the weirder thing is they have to hand the uberchips.com domain name to Nintendo, which that's weird. That is weird, yeah. 
Like, what does Uber chips sell beyond these chips? I guess is the real question. I think the what we're finding here is like I think it's a bad case of Nintendo just using the fact that we're a gigantic company and you're one little store. We can we we can do whatever we want, and that's a whole other topic that yeah. I won't even go into at all. But I don't like that idea. But yeah, I think there's that. That's not also not a thing that I. I don't know. This is a weird. This is a weird judgment. I think. Yeah. Is some of the other parts of it, like I said, with the them getting the domain as a part of it, which is really, I think, is really strange. But I guess while we're kind of in the wicked awesome legally corner, let's talk about. Let's give our list update on the Epic and Apple ongoing court dates to talk about on this thing. I expected this thing to be a much mm-hmm. slower burn. Maybe it's the. COVID presence that makes it possible for this thing to keep progressing as fast as it does. Uh, I don't know if we talked about this two weeks ago or whenever this happened, but a judge recommended that maybe the Epic and Apple case should go to a jury decision, essentially, kind of give it up for public opinion, if you so will. And it is coming out that Epic and Apple really don't want that to happen. Yeah, that's that's kind of a... Uh... Yeah, I mean, it seems like. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's interesting. I think. Uh, I mean, we we actually spoke about this before yeah. we started recording, but there's there's an interesting thing here of like, I think Epic, I think you're you're right in that Epic probably would fare a little better than that because Epic is less well known outside of video games. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I mean, yeah. I think that situation kind of weirdly benefits Epic Games some, which is to a certain extent whatever. Like, it's. Neither company is perfect in the grand scheme of things, but Epic is just kind of Epic bad in the gaming community, where Apple is. That's to say, a little more public facing. I could totally imagine a jury being like, make me buy a new iPhone every year? Fuck you, Apple. I'm siding with Epic, whoever the fuck they are. But mostly kind of the increasingly so, this one seems to be an interesting one where whoever wins out of this, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. It's the impact that this court proceeding might have on the gaming landscape. Because if it does indeed go Epic's way, kind of tie this back to the Nintendo thing, there's an argument to be made that like some of the functionality people add to their Switches via this chip is they put NVIDIA Shield onto the Switch, which in my mind, it's a totally smart, fantastically brilliant move for that thing because, hey, it's a better gaming service in some ways on a highly portable platform. Oh, it doesn't have any licensing for that. Hypothetically, this court case could, from a legal standpoint, open up not just this, but kind of potentially every platform for that store-than-a-store conversation. That is what this whole thing's based off of. Like it, It finally puts you in a world where, from a legal standpoint, a company can't, like Nintendo couldn't tell Microsoft, no, you can't put an Xbox Live app on the Switch because it violates our terms of agreement. It would just come down to Nintendo saying no. Like it, it potentially opens you up to the possibility of every kind of major publisher or pl- kind of platform maker having their own service you could put on any device that would just be essentially a streaming catalog of that game so you could play anywhere, which is both a fantastic thing but also watching how streaming services have gone for media in the last five years or so, a potentially cataclysmic thing for gaming. Hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's just yeah. There's there's a lot of sort of weird repercussions that can happen on going either way. I imagine that the judge is probably going to be really careful here and probably make a narrow, very narrow decision here, so it doesn't have quite the rippling effect. Sure. So I I imagine that's that's more likely than not. They're going to exercise a lot of jurisprudence and be like, this is a really narrow ruling on a very specific thing. But it's still hypothetical. And, that's a precedent you could reference in other cases. Yeah, it's... Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Like, it's one of those ones where I'm not saying this court decision will suddenly open it up for Microsoft to be like, yeah, we have the Microsoft app on your Switch. You can now play Halo on the Switch through the Microsoft. It it doesn't necessarily do that immediately, but it kind of it pushes that door open enough that you can kind of get a foot in going, hey, there's a legal precedent for this. Let's see what we can actually get away with. It's kind of like the uh, NVIDIA streaming service where until someone said, no, we, we're not cool with you streaming our games for free, essentially, they could get away with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. I still think that was a dumb take on a variety of companies, but that's a whole separate topic. <laughs> While we're speaking on dumb takes, you want to talk about Chromecast? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're, we're three relatively intelligent, admittedly two of us are not in our right minds right now, but, like, I'd still say, like, if you took an average IQ, we're fine. Like, we're, we're fully functioning, non-drooling-on-ourselves human beings kind of thing. Like, and that's saying some things in these modern era occasionally. If you were to release a new Chromecast, what is one functionality you would make sure would be on it if you were Google? Stadia. What if I told you that Google was releasing a new Chromecast, a shiny, new, sleek, doesn't require your phone to function, so basically it's what you actually fucking want a Chromecast to be, version of a Chromecast, that will have to have Stadia support patched in later. (laughs) Womp womp. Yeah. That's a big load of dumb. I... (laughs) Yeah, so... uh... For those living thought, under a rock. Go, ahead, go Alex. No, I was gonna say I thought the Stadia thing was the only dumb thing about the or the only interesting news bit about the Chromecast this week. There was another side tidbit on this one, but Oh what is um, it? So the Chromecast was announced Wednesday, I believe, right? Yeah, sounds right. Uh Home Depot and a few other places started selling the new Chromecast a few days before. Nice. So the unannounced Chromecast you can already buy at some places like Home Depot. So, just just another round of fun stuff revolving this Chromecast, apparently. <laughs> yeah, so the Stadia support's coming sometime next year, probably early next year, but it's not coming with Stadia out of the box. I have That's to add so that. Dumb. I, I really thought Amazon announcing their version of Stadia was going to be kind of the last dumb Stadia news we we're going to hear this year. And then this happened, and here we are, talking about actual yep. Stadia again, and I'm just sad because I own a Stadia. It's like they wanted to fail at this one, but I, then again, it's getting the Google app treatment, I I think, <laughs> fortunately. Sure, like, it, it's getting a bunch of new games, like Dead by Daylight just launched on it, so that's a thing. I 
it, it's it's support in the background, and maybe it's kind of like how what's it? Uplay has their own streaming service now for games, too, that no one talks about, but I guess people actually use with some frequency. So what the fuck do I know? Like I, I don't know what the pro, I don't know what the Stadia community is like, but apparently it's still enough around that like someone cares that the new Chromecast isn't launching with Stadia. Mm, yeah. Yeah, given whole Roku's fight with uh, HBO lately, I've been kind of, not actively, but passively in the, hey, maybe it's time for a new streaming stick device, and when they announced that this was, like, finally divorcing the Chromecast from your TV, from your uh, phone, I'm like, huh, maybe it's time, and I own a Stadia, and now we're here, and I'm going, huh, maybe it's still time, because I don't care about Stadia. Yeah. <laughs> And you were an early adopter. I'm not sure, sir. <laughs> a founder nonetheless, though. Right? Yes, but like a founder that was like, it's gotta fail! Why'd you put money in so I could watch it fail? I'm a guy that bought tickets to the Hindenburg and didn't get on, but no, I just want to be here. So you're like, <laughs> not? No, I am not. I'm just here to watch this thing leave the launch pad. Why? People are gonna die. I'm just convinced of it. It's a giant blimp full of helium. Or hydrogen, whatever the fuck that thing was full of. <laughs> Why'd you buy this giant pile of hay to light it on fire? Why? So I could watch it burn. That is my relationship with Stadia as a Stadia founder. That I'd much rather own my weird midnight blue controller over the weird tech industry white controller than the normal Stadia controller is. That thing's just the more I look at it in pictures because of Stadia News, the more I'm just like, who the fuck let this thing leave the door? Controllers are not meant to be that white. Like, that's just a color no one wants in their home. Unless you're a serial killer. <laughs> that's why I'm worried about the, X- the PS5. It's too white. It's like sterile white. I don't want to live in that uh, this, uh, kind of utopia dysmorphia future. Yeah. Right to from here. Is it time to talk about Ubisoft or Farmville? Do we want to follow Ubisoft news with the Farmville news because the Farmville news is kind of dumb and uplifting and hey, Farmville's over? Let's say yeah. let's say Farmville for the end. Okay, yeah, yeah that's, that's 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 probably a good call. So every time we talk about Ubisoft, I'm like, okay, this is finally the end of the Ubisoft saga of kind of this internal investigation, but yeah, it's not the case, apparently. So we have the latest round of information out of this Ubisoft internal probe, and the numbers vary a little bit from source to source on this one, but between 1 in 4 or 20%, which means it's 1 in 5, te- technically speaking, employees of Ubisoft have either witnessed or experienced kind of misconduct, in air quotations, the same. I think it was something like 80% or something of the people that reported something felt that the problem was adequately dealt with. And on top right. of this, like the, the numbers yeah. do exactly you expect them to. It's significantly higher for women than men. And then on top of that, people of a kind of smaller, uh, even higher incident rate amongst that kind of thing. Like it's, it's, it's the gross numbers you expected to come out of this thing ultimately. And here we are. And, 
what makes this thing a little bit more newsworthy, at least for us, is like we all, we already knew this was coming. It's kind of whatever to a certain extent. We knew it was bad. It's that Ubisoft chose to actually publish this information themselves via their PR kind of system. So kudos on admitting yeah. fault on this one. Also, your company is gross. You should fix that. Yeah. Oh, the one in five thing is one in five said they didn't feel fully respected or safe in the work environment. Gotcha. 25% was the people saying they witnessed or experienced this conduct firsthand. And, but yeah, uh, only 66% of the respondents said that they received the support they needed. Sorry, I might have too high. Yeah, that's really low. Yeah. That's that's really super not good. But yeah, there again, like I feel like Ubisoft actually does want to change. I mean, they're firing like they're firing heads of departments and executives. They're I mean, that's some serious cleaning house. They are making stuff like this public. I feel like that this is, you know, they there is a desire for actual change here. I mean, whether or not that pans out or not, I don't know. But they're airing their dirty laundry in public, very, very publicly. So I mean, that's it's it's interesting. I think the whole this whole process has been interesting, especially seeing as how. Like, in comparison, like, Riot Games have been very, very not, they've been they've been very not public about any, about well, it's, pretty much everything. It's interesting you bring that up, where, like, Riot has had equal, if not worse, problems when you kind of look at the thing. Like, it's, and the two companies have chosen to go about this in completely different ways. Like, and I'm not saying, mm-hmm. like, maybe you should feel awesome about buying Ubisoft games, but, like, at least they're trying to make enough of a difference that I feel less bad about maybe wanting to buy a Valhalla when it launches still. Yeah. Whereas with Riot, yeah, Riot were very opaque yeah. about the whole everything going on and a lot of denials and sort of... No, it doesn't seem like they're actually serious about changing anything. Like, you saw no firings come out of that. Like, zero. Zero people were fired at Riot Games. So, yeah. I don't think Riot Games, it, honestly, is taking it seriously. and But I think that Ubisoft has taken some actual measures. I mean, I, I still just have to say, the fire, seeing so many executives being fired was just kind of a shockwave, really. I think that was huge. Yeah. But, anyway. No, it is quite the thing at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Disgusting, disgusting numbers. Um, now to shift gears kind of abruptly. Uh, Nexus Mods has essentially said we're not accepting any mods for the rest of the year, if not longer, until after the election and all that jazz of U.S. politics, which maybe keep that going indefinitely. Just throwing that one out there. <laughs> Maybe let the U.S. politics not be a part of the mod community for a little while. I'm not sure I need to see that in Skyrim, not that I care about the Skyrim mod community. Uh, But kind of in a... I like the way Nexus went about doing this. Basically, they got out there and made a public statement saying, we don't give a fuck what you think on this topic. We're not doing this anymore. We're banning all the mods until after the election kind of concludes. We're sick of moderating this. Like, it's all troll. It's all cowardly troll accounts uploading shit. Like, 
These aren't good mods. They're low effort. It's just bullshit. We don't care if you scream like freedom of speech or whatever. We're not like a. We don't have to care about that. We're not a government entity. And b. Fuck all y'all. Yep. 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 It's their platform. Yeah. They can do pretty much what they want. So yeah. I mean, pretty much all there yep. is. I just enjoy kind of how publicly they got out there and were like, nope. Nope. We don't care. Yep. You could talk about your freeze peach on your own time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alright, uh, last but not least before we get to Farmville news, because I I weirdly want to talk about this Farmville news. I'm not sure why it excites me so, but it <laughs> does. Uh, but kind of before we get to this, we have an announcement of an upcoming thing we will probably cover in more detail once it is over. Or once it actually happens, I guess over is probably the wrong phrase for an event. But uh, Whirl panel to spotlight women in games on, what's it, October 7th? So that's coming up in a few days when this actually goes up there. It's designed to kind of celebrate and support International Day of Girl in the gaming space. So, yeah, go check it out. Yep. Yeah, that's a, they'll, it, it's a virtual panel. It's going to be on Zoom. You can register to watch it through Eventbrite. I'm sure they'll have a VOD of it if you miss it, though. So, yeah, but I think that's pretty cool. I mean, I like the panel that they've pulled up. Uh, It's interesting, like, they've, uh, yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, I I just wanted to kind of say that, yeah, that's coming up. If you want to watch it live, here's how to watch it live. Anyways. Yeah. It's on Zoom, so prepare for drama to come out of that. By the end of next week, probably. Because people are terrible. Yeah. Alright. But last but not least, we get to talk about Farmville, a thing I never expected to talk about on this fucking podcast. But here we are. Uh, Farmville. The thing that originally made Facebook terrible and led (laughs) to so many other things. Uh, Farmville, the the game that started all the bullshit that you should rightfully hate Facebook 4, and so much more, is finally coming to an end. Why, you ask? Because Flash. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, for those that say that Farmville to exist, was... you're right, and Farmville closing will be followed by Farmville 3, according to various kind of articles out there, but ding dong, the witch is dead. No longer will Facebook people ask me to help farm. In Farmville, just the sequels that no one plays as best I could tell. Yeah, I mean, there were spinoffs of it, but this was the only one that actually lasted the whole way through. And in other news, Farmville had been going all of this time, yeah. and I didn't didn't actually know that. I feel like I knew this because I think my mom plays Farmville, and I'd occasionally get the update where it's like, your mom has requested that you farm with her. I'm like, requests <laughs> accepting your friend request was the worst decision ever! <laughs> I played Farmville for a couple of minutes and then like realized I don't really like this. I was one of those snide hipster assholes that were like, "Oh, I played Farmville back when it was called Harvest Moon." Push the glasses <laughs> up, you out a real gaming platform. <laughs> back when it was cool to pretend to be a farmer in a video game, not like this bullshit social media version of it. <sighs> But yeah, no, Farmville coming to an end because Flash support. Uh, in other news, Zynga Games still very much around. 
kind of forgot about them. The last time we talked about them was when an EA exec went from being the head at EA to being the head there, and we were like, that's a weird choice. Then we were like, oh yeah, I guess bullshit mobile games are a really big thing still. And they are. Oh yeah. I mean, I I play one that's less bullshit than the others. I still do play a lot of uh, King of Fighters All-Star. But, yeah. Henry's is an obvious Mafia Wars fan on the Facebook. (laughs) Uh, That's another one I haven't heard in a long time. Holy shit. I I did some research. That's the one I could remember. The other one that I would play was, uh, was it Robot Unicorn Attack? That was Adult Swim. That wasn't necessarily Facebook. Okay. Yeah, but I know Unicorn- would post on Facebook and you can compete with people on your Facebook. Oh, yeah, there was a leaderboard. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Also, Robot Unicorn Attack was a legit badass game for badass people. Yes, it was. And it's um sequel, Robot Unicorn Nightmare. Oh, is that a... I thought it's they a, just did a Robot Unicorn it's Attack It's a death metal version of it. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's equally awesome. It's literally just the same game with a skin and a different background music to it and just random high-pitched screaming throughout the game. I, but both mm. are fantastic games. I think two had like the transforming animation app. You went from like a horse to a panda to other bullshit. Like, for as long as I can, a bullshit heavy metal environment. Yeah. Were you about to slander Robot Unicorn Attack on this podcast, Alex? No, I was bringing up saying, "Oh, it's a shame because that's going to be a flash game that's affected." Unfortunately, I think they made. Mm-hmm. I think they rebranded to Java at some point. I don't know. The song you can listen to is actually out there on like that Infinite Loop too. Yeah, no, that's an actual song from yes. the band. Yeah, the, the death metal one was a better song. I think it was more in line with what Robot Unicorn was actually about in its soul. <laughs> You're gonna have to go look this up now, aren't you? Probably, yeah. Yeah. The correct game to be playing when you've had your wisdom teeth pulled. Robot Unicorn Attack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that does it for news this week. Yeah. Not a ton happens. It's been kind of a down week. The stuff that did happen is pretty big in its own unfortunate ways. Mm-hmm. Still can't believe you'd launch a Chromecast without Stadia support on it. That's a whole separate <laughs> topic. It's just, it's just, ugh. I feel there's like some intern guy there that's like has a board where it's like just the words, you should put Stadia on every fucking Google device and Google's like, we're not sure if we could actually do that. He's like, but just, just do it. It's so obvious. Put it on the home screen of every fucking picture. Yeah. yeah. No emails this week, but if you wanted to send one in, we can be contacted at wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. Again, wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. Spell the sounds down in the show notes. I do have a little bit of an announcement before we kind of get to closing this thing out. I am going to be changing up the RSS feed a little bit. We're changing our hosting service. So if for some reason you do not find next week's podcast episode, please contact us at wickedawesomecast at gmail.com to let me know about that. It should be a seamless transition. I already kind of have the stuff set up in the background, but I'm going to let this one go up on our normal host and then change it probably around Wednesday or Thursday, I think, was when I was thinking about trying to make the swap. So if you make it a full week and don't hear from us without an explanation on Twitter or Facebook from us, let me know, and I'll investigate that one, because it shouldn't 
break that way at this point. And unlike last time we changed stuff up, I did not warn people, and we lost a bunch of listeners. And we do like you listeners. We do like you listening to us and contacting us and such. So I thought I'd give everyone a warning this time. Yeah. That's it for mine. Anything you guys want to talk about before we close this out? Um, I don't have anything in particular to say at the moment. Uh, what's it called? Other than obviously my event is going to be rescheduled, so keep an eye out for that. I'll, Did you cancel happening? those vacation days yet? Uh, no. It, it well, it happened Wednesday when they announced it, I think, sure. or something. So I have to go into work on Monday and cancel it. But it's not a big deal. I, Your boss savvy enough to go? Yeah, I saw Shadowlands got moved. Probably. <laughs> I mean, hell, I don't know if I told you, but ever when I told him that I was going to take Tulsa, since I'm not going to go do my normal stuff this year, um, I think I'm going to probably take some time off for Cyberpunk when it comes out. So, mm. yeah. <laughs> part of me thinks I should do that, and part of me is like, no. Yeah, so. Um, that's where I'm at, as far as that goes. So, yeah, uh, just keep an eye out, though. Mave online, all my social medias. Follow me, check me out. I've gotten some new followers on the Facebook page, so that's kind of neat. Thank you, guys. Uh, but yeah. Check me out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook as Kraken Zero. That's Z-E-R-0. Also, like, if I get back I'll probably get back to Destiny this week because of the whole actual event, and I'm cracking zero on there as well. Mm. So you see a cracking zero floating around, not hitting things with a gun. That's me. Yeah, I'm still Mordak on most stuff. Um, yeah, go find me. M O R D four K. Uh, I think I'll be dropping down to just Saturday streams for a little while for a whole myriad of reasons. But yeah, those will come back eventually. Enjoy a boring-ass shit and Elite Dangerous on my streams right now. It's a thing. <laughs> a lot of mining going on and me singing uh, sea shanties while I mine. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. And slowly going insane as I find asteroids don't have the materials I want in them. <laughs> it's real. The space madness is real. I think that does it for this week, though. Who wants to close it out? Cue the match.